0: Well, let me say, first of all, that I'm glad to be here and I always enjoy being here. You people are very friendly and uh, the Lord parted the clouds this morning. I thought I was going to get rained on the whole way up here and it just spread out. and I didn't get much rain at all. So that was nice. And I've told you memories that I have here before, uh, but I haven't told you this one. Uh, When I went by Starkville today, I remember when I was at first at state and uh, we all had to participate in ROTC. And uh, eventually I went advanced ROTC, but this was before that. Uh, I I really hadn't ever been around, heard that term much or anything. And I said, I'd been there a day or two, I said, what what does ROTC stand for? You know what they told me? So that's it. <laughs> R-O-T-C, they told me, stood to run over to Columbus and get a date at the W. <laughs> so I thought about that this morning. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. And we shall read what we uh, have just prayed. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 5, the Lord's Prayer. And the introduction to it, and then the prayer itself. Hear now God's word. Um, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And here's the key f- verse I want to concentrate on today, and I'll just stop with this. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And thus ends the reading and the hearing read of God's word. This is the word of the Lord. glory to God. Now I want to begin with a little imaginary story, but many of you will identify with it. You've all, those of you who have children, have at times in your lives taken your children to the beach or to a lake or somewhere like that. And your children, perhaps they were three or four years old and this was their first time to really get into heavy water or or serious uh, depth of water. And you told them, be careful, don't go too far particularly at the beach and waves are coming in and you say, don't don't get out there too far, that can overwhelm you. It's a little bit dangerous. Just be careful. And uh, what do they do? They go too far. (laughs) Inevitably, it seems like most of them do. And so you have to go rescue them. But I can tell you, once it happens to them, they usually don't forget it. And you don't have to remind them again. They've learned their lesson. They went and did something they knew they were told not to do. And uh, it got them in trouble, as it were, minor though it is, uh, they learned their lesson. That's what's going on in the verse that I want us to think about today. Jesus is teaching us how to pray, and there's a whole lot in the Lord's Prayer, that wonderful series of sermons can be preached on the Lord's Prayer and what it really means. But he is praying then that God, after forgi- in, in the verse that I have in mind, that after forgiving our sin, he would keep us away from or allow us not to be directed into temptation. And what did he mean when he used the word temptation? The word temptation is used two ways in the Bible. The first one, it is used in a way as an inducement to evil. That is one type of temptation. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve. And we see that usage there is the serpent tempts Eve to evil. Something that he was trying to make exciting to her and leading her to do evil. And the same thing is taught in James chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. We won't go there. But second, the second way the word temptation is used in the Bible is with trials and testings. There is, now, now get what I'm about to say, there is a difference between exciting corruption and trying graces. Let's, let me say that sentence. Let me repeat that again. There is a difference between exciting corruption Corruptions, and that's what that was in Genesis, and trying graces. The Bible says in Genesis 22 that God tested Abraham, not in a seductive or sensual or corruptible way, but in a way to build his character. God's trials are not like some we know. Go to the hardware store and buy a rope. What do you want to do with that rope if you're going to lift something heavy? You kind of make sure that rope's going to hold, and you test it out. Now when you, and let's say it does hold, but when you test out the rope to see if it will lift the object that you want to lift, does that make the rope any stronger? No, it doesn't. It just proves to you that the rope is going to be okay for the particular test you're going to give it. God's trials are like those of a sailor who is sailing uh, a, a boat perhaps for the first time and he's bringing that boat in during a storm. And he, as he goes through the storm, he increases his, of, in his knowledge of knowing how to sail. And he gains uh, confidence and he gains, increases his skill as a sailor. As Job says in chapter 23, verse 10, but he knows the way I take that when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. In other words, there are tests that the Lord gives us that make us better Christians, make us stronger, cause us to grow, to mature, to be discipled, as it were. The same things mentioned and taught in James chapter 1 and Romans chapter 5. We know that he means it's part of the deal. It's part of the game. It's going to be part of our lives if we're following Christ and serious about it. We're going to have temptations of this kind of sort. Obviously, Jesus means that when he's talking about when we pray and when we're praying, Lord, you have forgiven my sin. Now, please don't allow me to get into a situation too great for me. Please, if I get close to evil, don't let me be tempted by it too much and sucked into it. Don't let me fall into something that's going to make me look like a fool, something that's going to set me back spiritually, something that's going to cause me uh, discouragement. Please keep me from those kind of things. I know that I have to go through life, and life is full of those kind of events, but protect me and guard me as I navigate the direction you have me in life. Please deliver me from evil while I am in temptation. Don't let me fall. To pray this prayer and mean it is to pray for holiness and purity and sanctification. All three of those words are important. We could have great lessons on those. Practically speaking, I want to give you five things that I think you pray for when you pray this in the Lord's Prayer. Five things for you to remember. Here's the first one that God would not withdraw from us his divine assistance and enablement. Now, if we went to Daniel chapter 4, we would read about a king named Nebuchadnezzar. I had to say I always wondered what in the world was his mama thinking when she named him Nebuchadnezzar. (laughs) We need to realize a new... what we can learn from what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a king. He was very successful. And he got to be very, as it were, famous and important. He had a big empire. And chapter 4 of Daniel says, one night he was walking up on the top of one of his buildings. The, The sky was pretty. And he looked out all over his kingdom and says, Oh, look what I've done. This is great. I've done this by myself. What a great fantastic king I really am. And if you keep reading in that chapter, you'll read that God didn't like that. He didn't like him thinking he was Mr. It. And what happened? God took his hand away from him and what did Nebuchadnezzar do? He went out into the field and lost his mind. He got crazy. He ate grass. He lived the Bible says he lived like a dog. And later on in the text, he comes back to the Lord and is sorry that he's done that. Now, I don't know if we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven or not. Maybe we will. Maybe well, Probably we will. But we need to realize anew in our day that this is one of the things that can happen with us. Some of us are very impressed with our own abilities. Presbyterians have a bigger problem with this than most folks I know. You give a Presbyterian... An advanced degree, some success, money, <laughs> a big house, several late model cars, an attractive wife and, I'm talking about males here, attractive wife and family that are pretty sharp, I get kind of, kind of thinking I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty well. I did, man, look at me. I want to tell you something I've learned in raising children. I think it's a mistake to tell children when they're real young that they're smart. They're going to figure that out on their own. You don't have to worry. But if you tell them they're smart over and over and over, they're going to get a little uppity about it and they're going to look down on folks that aren't smart. Happens all the time. Listen, if we have victory in any area, if we haven't fallen into something stupid and vile and terrible, we don't need to pat ourselves on the back. We need to realize that what we have in life, what we are accomplished and what's been given to us in our mind and all the blessings that have come to us are a gift from the Lord. The Bible says it real clearly. What do you have that you didn't receive? You know what that says in, everything you've got, God gave to you. I mean, we could sit here and mention the things that you've been blessed just to be in this room, in this, in this country, in this town, doing what you do, and it's all a gift from the Lord. You may think, well, I did that on my own. No, you didn't. You had a lot of assistance from the Lord who made you to have the mind you have, to have the opportunities you have, to have the timing that you have, everything like that. It is always a gift from Him. All we have is a gift from the Lord. I know, I've told you, I have five daughters. I had five daughters in seven years. I mean, I had five teenagers at once. (laughs) And uh, okay, I'm biased. I think they're pretty good looking. And I will tell you that two of them were lookers. (laughs) Every time the doorbell rang in Memphis, it was a different boy. (laughs) We lived there 10 years. You know what I told my girls over and over and over? God made you pretty. That's why you're good looking. God made you that way. Don't get the big, beautiful head and think you've created all this by yourself. It's all a gift from the Lord. He made you and blessed you and should... Now, this is to all of us right now. He made us and he, and he blessed, has blessed us. And if he were to take his hand of blessing away from us, there is no telling what we in this room might do. I remember hear Joe, hearing Joe Novenson, who's a friend of mine, when he was pastor at Lookout Mountain in Chattanooga, saying, we don't have a clue. If God were to withdraw his restraining hand from us, there is no telling what crazy, ridiculous stuff we would do only his restraining hand has kept us from the depth of degradation. It's kind of like that little story about the mouse who jumped on the back of an elephant and crossed a wooden bridge, and it shook and shook, and when they got over to the other side, you know what the mouse said? Boy, didn't we shake that bridge. Don't think you're not like that mouse, I'm not either. We have a little victory and a little power and begin to pat ourselves on the back and rob God of his credit. We need to be praying regularly, often, for God not to withdraw his blessing and presence. Because what does the Bible say? If he did, this language is rough, we would go like a sow to the mire and a dog to his vomit. That's gross. Second, they're all not gonna be that long. <laughs> Deliverance from temptations in our providential circumstances. Let's go to first. We'll just tell you first. King 17. It's the story of Elijah, and he's he's having a hard time. He's on the run, and uh, he comes to a little village named Zarephath, and he meets a widow there, and she's poor. She has one little child. She doesn't have much food at all. But he's hungry and he's thirsty, and he runs into her and he basically says, "Feed me and give me something to drink." And you know what? You can read the text there in 1 Kings 17. She's a little hesitant to do it. Why? Because she doesn't have anything left. She's got one child, and she's afraid for him. Eventually it works out. But let me tell you something. When you first read that, you, you, the temptation is to be hard on her, saying, what are you, What's the matter with you? You know who this man is? Are you kidding me? You're not going to help him? Don't be too hard on her. Suppose suppose God were to make you tremendously poor. Suppose you were to come home to your children at night, hungry. Suppose you were having to rent your place where you lived and the landlord was after you because you hadn't paid in two months. Suppose it got as cold for you is it got for us in Franklin, Tennessee, two days after Christmas, we had two days. We had two nights in a row at four below zero. Coldest I've ever been in my life. What would you do? Don't sit here and pretend to tell me, I don't know, I wouldn't ever do any of that. Your children are hungry. You don't know where you're going to get the best next meal, and you're freezing to death, and you don't have warm clothes. There are a lot of people in the world today that live like that. Don't think what you wouldn't do. Pray that if something comparable to that ever happened to you, and I know most of you are thinking it wouldn't, but you don't know. You don't know what the future has. If that did happen to you, pray that you would be able to keep your testimony for Christ and that you wouldn't succumb to what often happens today. Don't condone, but I wonder if I would have the strength to resist if I were put in that situation, and I had five little girls I had to feed, and I didn't know where I was going to get the food for them. You say, well, okay, I got it. Well, do you know the Bible says there's temptation with being wealthy? The Bible says, they that would be rich fall into a snare, into temptation of the devil, and pierce through with sorrows. Three verses, we won't read them, but... 1 Timothy 6 9, Proverbs 23 4, Proverbs 28.20. They say the same thing. That great riches are a great temptation. If you are a young person today and the main thing you want to do in life is go get a perhaps get a college degree or at least get a job because you want to make big money. That's what you're after in this world. That's what really dominates your thinking all the time. You may be heading for sorrow. It's a tremendous temptation. There's a very clear picture of a young man in the Bible who had it all. He was good looking. The women liked him. He had, he had a hedonistic lifestyle. He liked to party and have a good time. And he heard Jesus and he liked Jesus and he said, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get with you. What did Jesus say to him? You got to sell all that stuff you got get some sense in your head, then you can follow me. Who was that? That was the rich young ruler. You can read it for yourself. It's easy to be too hard on folks about this kind of thing. Christ is giving us a a real warning. Thirdly, very quickly, deliverance from temptation in our physical condition. Uh, Okay, I'm going to say this, and you're not going to like it, but it's true. Good health is not always a blessing. Uh Uh-oh. Is that in the Bible? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Let's read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. So to keep me, this is amazing, to keep me from being too elated by the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh. Um, And you know, historically down through the ages, they've always said this was an eyesight problem, but nobody knows that for sure. A thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from being too elated three times i pleaded with the lord about this that it would leave me i was i warned those who sinned before and all the others after them i warned them now while absent as i did when present that if i come again so forth paul is saying i had the big head and i got sick something and it wouldn't leave me and i pleaded with the lord and prayed and prayed and prayed that it would and it didn't And he said, basically, I'm glad it didn't because I needed to be brought back down to reality and not be such an uppity up. That's the Apostle Paul. He's saying, God was good to me to give me some suffering. Or I'd just been too proud. And you say, okay, I got it. Well, it goes the other way, too. There are temptations that go with poor health. Just because a person is sickly doesn't mean they are godly. There are a lot of ungodly sick people. And they complain and they murmur and they give way to the blues. And don't think you won't be that way or you might not be that way or something. Pray for deliverance from these temptations to be that you won't be self-centered and full of pity if you get sick. Full of self-pity. Make us, make me, wane like Paul. I'm glad that I've kind of got my perspective, and I, I know why this is happening to me, that to, to keep me trusting you, Lord. Dave, listen to what David said. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, since I've been afflicted, I have kept your law. Okay, I know you're tired of me saying this, but I've been in the ministry a long time. I've been in every kind of situation you can think of. If my wife Dina were here today, one of the things she would tell you that I pray about often at night with her, Lord, help me to be sweet. Help me to, as I grow older, to be kind and tender. Why is that on my mind? Because I have been in many sick rooms with people dying. I've been in many convalescent places. I've been with many older people. Not all of them are that way, but a lot of older people are crabby because they don't feel good or because they've got the wrong perspective on this, and they complain, and they whine, and they gripe, and I ask the Lord, please don't let me be that way. It's so unpleasant for those who have to be around you. It's a temptation, and you need, and I need to be delivered from that. Fourthly, that God would deliver us from particular temptations, peculiar temptations associated with our kind of temperament. None of us are alike. Some are prone to some sins and some to others. Some people, some people are like Peter. What was Peter? He was an extrovert. Couldn't keep his mouth shut. Always backslapping and saying something. <coughs> Always tempting to talk too much. You say, you don't know what you're talking about. You want to bet? Look, look at Luke 9.23. That's the transfiguration. Jesus is, is there, and Moses and Paul are beside him, and Peter is there, and he's asleep with the other disciples, and he wakes up, and he's so excited at seeing Moses uh, and, and uh, Paul, and uh, who does it, Moses and Paul, and, and uh, he's so excited about, it wasn't Paul, Elijah, that's right, sorry, thank you, he's so excited about seeing that, he said, Lord, let's build three temples, one for you, one for the two other men, let's do it right now. And you know what Luke adds right there is a little parenthesis? Because he just had to say something. He couldn't keep his mouth closed. (laughs) And then some people are introverts. Let George do it. Let somebody else do that. I don't have to do that. Lord, help me to learn how to speak when I'm supposed to speak and be quiet when I'm supposed to be quiet. Uh, Don't let me jump too quickly. Don't let me hesitate too long. Don't let me get ahead of you. Lord, speed me up, slow me down when I need to. Fifthly, that God will deliver us from particular temptations of our environment. Our hearts are tender boxes of iniquity. The Bible teaches that all of us are capable of a lot of things and we can be put in certain circumstances and the flames of passion are like a match. It's lit and it blazes up. A man can go to work and you know what? One thing that's really sad today language has become so coarse in America. There are so many filthy words that are just common. They're used by everybody from the president to all the elected leaders to all the people in the media all the time. It's just filthy. That's not what we're to be like as Christians. But a man's at work and he hears it all the time and it's very hard. Perhaps he gets angry and it's hard for him. Perhaps does he go and say, listen, would you just cool it and quit saying those words and they bother me? Quit taking God's name in vain. I don't, that makes me sad when you do that. Or does he wait a while and wait for the right time? It's just hard to know. And we don't want to be guilty of, of coming across holier than thou. But at the same time, we need to stand for truth. And sometimes, it's hard for some of us because of the way we're made. And then some of us just need to pray, Lord, help my testimony to be right in the midst of this difficult circumstance. It's not easy working here, and these people don't know you. And I'm, I'm, what did Jesus say we're to be? Salt and light. What does salt do if you get enough of it in your mouth? Makes you thirsty. We're supposed to be living in our culture in a way that makes the neighbors, the family, friends, thirsty for God. Because of what? They, they see it in us. It doesn't happen overnight, it takes a while. I had a sister-in-law who went to a small town, in, her my husband went to the drugstore business, small town in Mississippi, and they had a junior auxiliary there. She got involved in the junior auxiliary. The president of the bank, a young president of the bank, his wife was about the age of my sister-in-law. They became friends, and they did a lot of things together. After about a year, uh, the president of the bank's wife came to my sister-in-law and said, something about you is different you're not like the rest of us what is it? I'm a Christian and the bank president's wife said that's kind of what I thought could you talk to me about that I had the privilege of going to that town every week for about almost a year and teaching two couples a Bible study One-on-one, my sister-in-law had been salt and light. Lessons we can learn, number one, never exempt, never rely on your own strength. If you study the history of the church, you will study there have been thousands and thousands of people that lived martyrs' lives, died publicly, they were put to death. Do you think any of those men and women when they were little children and they were watching other people die for their faith, Ever stood and watched it happen? Say, well, it never happened to me. I will not I, I, Well, Well, don't have too much self-confidence in your own strength. We're all as susceptible as anybody on skid row. Who's the best example of that? Peter. Lord, I'm with you. I'm ready to go to prison and to death for you. 24 hours later, I never knew him. Who's he? Jesus? I don't know who that is. He's afraid of a little girl. Never deliberately put yourself in the place of temptation. I want you to get this one. This is very important. It's foolish to pray this prayer. Don't put me there, Lord. Please deliver me from temptation. And then go there. We're praying for the Lord not to, not to allow us to get in those kind of situations and certainly not to go there and then Uh, get in trouble. Some people have the idea, and I can't tell you how many I've met, but I've met a lot. Some people have the idea, and I'll go ahead and say it. It seemed like it was especially prevalent in Memphis and Nashville, but I bet it's prevalent everywhere. How close can I get and still be a Christian? How much can I drink? How much can I party? How fast can I go? And we could name 15 other things. Can I do that? How close to the edge of the ledge can I get and not fall over and still be a Christian? I'll tell you a true story. I had a friend who was pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Enterprise, Alabama. He was in seminary with me. And he was pastor of that church, there was a, behind, they lived in a manse, and there was behind the manse a creek, pretty good sized creek. And he said when it rained hard, the creek would come out of the, uh, the bounds of the, of the, you know, it would rise up and get out pretty, un, uh, pretty, uh, pretty dangerous. Well, they had a four year old boy, and they told him over and over, son, don't get down there too close to that creek when it's rising, because the water is swift. And if you were to fall in and get too far, you could get into real trouble. You might even drown, and we might lose you. Don't ever do it. When we're not there, we'll be there to protect you sometime, but if we're not there, don't you do that, okay? So the winds blew, and the rains came, and the creek came up, and he and his wife were standing in the back window looking out. And and their little boy, had they didn't realize it, but he'd wandered out there beside the creek. And they just watched him. And this is what happened. The little boy looked at the water. And then he turned and looked back at the house and he saw his parents. And he turned and looked at the water. And he turned back again and looked at his parents, a little bit longer this time. And he turned around and he got into the water and it nearly swept him away. They ran as fast as they could, as quickly as they could and grabbed him up, the water was up to his waist. Took him back to the house, set him down in the kitchen, said, son, what were you thinking? How many times do we have to tell you don't do that? That's dangerous, you could lose your life. Now why did you do that? And you know what the little boy said? He said, well, Daddy, I looked at the water, and I looked back at y'all, and I looked at the water, and I looked back with y'all at y'all, and with a heavy heart, I got into the water. That story is, a, is funny in a way, but let me tell you what, that's a picture of a lot of Christians, or at least seem to be Christians. They think they can play with evil things and they get too close, and then before you know it, they're into it. And so, the point is don't pray this prayer unless you mean it. Deliver us from temptation. And then, very quickly to close, never lead others into temptation. You ever notice the pronouns in the Lord's Prayer? Second person. It's not I, it's us. Deliver us from temptation. Well, I'm going to apply that like this. It's not me. It's not if we pray for, for them not to be led into temptation, we don't want to be guilty of leading somebody into temptation. And be careful if that you are an instrument that causes others to fall. And I want to say it's especially true if you're an officer in the church. If God's called you to be an officer in the church, you need to take that calling seriously and make sure you're walking with the Lord's best you know how and that you're trying. To make sure that we don't lead the church into temptation. And now I'm going to say something to mothers and grandmothers, and you're not going to like this, but it's, tr- it's true. And, and men too, but uh, the more I picture it, the more I see it. If you are a mother or grandmother and you have children around the house, don't whine and gripe and complain about things. You know why? Because those little children are going to hear you. And they're going to grow up doing it too. Don't, don't do that. Just say it to yourself and pray. But don't be guilty of just everything's bad. And I'm mad at this. And I'm so. Don't say all that in front of your children and grandchildren. You're leading them in, you're, you're not delivering them from temptation. I want to say again don't pray this prayer unless you mean it. Just quit. If you mean this, get serious about it. And you can't get serious about it, and you know what I'm gonna say and I'm through. You can't get serious about this unless you know Jesus Christ personally. You're wasting time to just pray this prayer. If, if you, you're never gonna be able to get away from temptations and make have progress if you don't know him in a personal way. I would guess that most of you do, praise God. But if you are here and just not sure, make sure. Listen, if you miss this, you miss it all. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, uh, I want to pray first of all for all of us, myself included, that uh, we would not forget that there are temptations all around, Satan's crafty and we can be drawn down, drawn in, cause harm, cause harm to ourselves, cause harm to others, hurt the cause of Christ, uh, be discouraged. Help us, Lord, to be strong. Fill us with your Spirit. Teach us the truths of the Scripture. May we walk in holiness and godliness, without which the Bible says no man will see the Lord. And for anybody here who is not sure or doesn't know the real meaning of life, to glorify you and enjoy you forever. And the way, you do that is by, the way we do that is by giving our hearts and minds and souls to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith and never looking back. Thank you for what he did. His doing and dying it is our only hope for getting to heaven. May it happen for any who don't know him. I pray all this in his name. Amen.